welcome to the latest episode of the Throat and Rotation podcast. We've had a little break for the last couple of weeks following free agency and the draft, but we're back now as we reflect on the comings and goings around the NFL. So, I'm Ashley Cadell, and I'm joined by Harry Discom. Hello! There's no Reese this time, as he's still recovering from Rangers' Europa League final defeat. He was in tears a couple of days after, so... Yeah, I've heard rumours that he's still crying to, the, to this day, <laughs> so um, we thought we'd give him a week off. He needs the time to recover, doesn't he? 100%. Um, but this week, we're going to take a look at four officers that will improve in 2022. OTAs have started as the NFL teams have began their prep for the new season. So, Harry, why don't you let everyone know how this episode will pan out? So yeah, cheers, Ash says. Um, there's not too much to say about this uh, segment. It's obviously quite self-explanatory, being the title as well. We've each selected two offences that we feel strongly enough about to guarantee to stick our necks on the line to say that they will be tangibly better in 2022. I don't want to be hearing, actually, any of this. If this goes right, if this player stays healthy, they could be a lot better. They, they could be a top 10, anything like that. On your neck on the line, okay? Mm. Some bold predictions. Starting with your first team, who I believe are the New York Jets. Obviously had a pretty awful offence and defence last year, um, led by rookie quarterback Zach Wilson, who only made it through 13 games. Been in the media actually this week because he's added £20 before the start of camp. What makes you so confident that the, the now hench, Zach Wilson, <laughs> will lead the Jets to better things in 2022? Well, as you know, I've been pretty hot on the Jets uh, for a while now, uh, a couple episodes ago. I've been pretty hot on them. And I suppose you can say, how can they get any worse? You know, they've got to improve. But I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say I think there's going to be some considerable improvement. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say... Playoff team. Wow. They're going to be a playoff that team. There's a bit of neck on the line, Joey. I love yeah, that. I am. I love to hear that. You know, okay, there's question marks around Wilson. You know, he had ups and downs last year. Um, you know, thinking back to four interceptions against mm. uh, the Patriots. You know, but, you know, it was early on. You know, there's clear team problems still in place. And, okay, it, it, there were some easy picks for the Pats defense, but. I feel like he was often forced to throw the speculative ball. Yeah. And often, you know, that that um, offensive line, you know, it, it did not help. You know, he was under a lot of pressure. Uh, and I've got some stats to look into a little bit later on uh, about that. Yeah, no, and didn't get um, too much help from the run game either. So no. There's a lot on a, on a rocky shoulders there. And again, I've, I've got it a little bit further down in my notes, actually. And only one game in the first five um did the Jets have a total of rush yards of over 100 Mm. and so you know that says it all he was not getting help at all in the rush um you know they've drafted Brees Hall now which is certainly going to help along with that improved O-line which we will discuss later on but you know I really did not I watched quite a bit of tape of Zach Wilson you know and you know, even his first game against the Panthers, you know, he threw t- two touchdowns. He looked good and made some nice passes, accurate, accurate throws. He seemed quite in sync. And obviously, there's always going to be ups and downs, you know, for a rookie season. Yeah. Um, but even just seeing him just like looking in the pocket, I didn't hate his pocket presence at all, especially because I knew like how difficult it is. He was not getting a lot of time. And you could also tell he, that wasn't didn't quite have that rapport with his receivers, which yeah. you could see progressed further on as well. And the receiver group 
was shite. It's improved, um, yeah, you know, heading sure. into this season. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I feel I feel like there is a big improvement. And as you say about Wilson bulking up, um, he's add, added in added on an extra twenty pounds. I think it is. Um, in the off season, you know, I, I love his attitude. I feel like he's a player who he's got his head screwed on. He knows what he's doing. He's committed. He's prepared to work hard. You know, everything I've seen has just been positive and what you want to see from a franchise QB, which the Jets are hoping him to be. Um, but we will, I'll quickly just ask you about the time, uh, the Get Falcons game, because you were there in person at the yeah. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Um, 59% pass completion that game and only threw for 192 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. But I'd just like to hear your thoughts, Harry, on what it was like seeing him in the flesh. Um, yeah, so um, it was awful, to be honest. I, I can't say um, much more than that. The, the whole offence, not just uh, Zach Wilson, they started free and out and they, they looked uh, disjointed. And something you said earlier kind of struck a chord that he got no help and you could see it. They were running for minus one yard, one yard, two yards on first down. Uh, they had drops in the first half, a couple of flags, and and it was just an offense that was going nowhere. It looked completely void of uh, of ideas. You can't just solely blame it on Wilson. No, no like, definitely not. You, yeah. you can't blame it on. You can't blame it on any QB, let alone a, a rookie QB. Um, but there, I would have liked to see more from him in that game. He threw the interception where he really tele- he, had, he had time actually. For once, he telegraphed where he was going, and then it was just an awful throw. He wasn't making the short, simple throws that you would expect, um, and, and you've got to ask why. But at that point, it, the offense looked so broken. And talking about a Falcons D, that that wasn't that impressive. That not impressive at all. Um, second half, though, they did get some juice. That Michael Carter um, was looking a little bit explosive, and and then it started to open up. For the offense, not a whole lot, but but Wilson looked a bit more comfortable. It was definitely not the the worst rookie season by any any stretch. There's been far worse, but I, I would have maybe liked to have seen a, a bit more from him over the seventeen games or the, or the thirteen games, and I would have liked to see a bit more from him against that Falcons defense. Yeah, of course, and I definitely get that. Um, you know, but it's just, just the Jets have stunk now for so many years in the NFL, you know, there's so much there. And the one thing about Wilson for me is that he seems, he doesn't let the bad picks put him off. Like, okay, you can look at the four picks against the Patriots, you know, it's, it's not good at all. But for me, I'm thinking, well, he's still willing to make the throws. Like, okay. And that's the only game really, isn't it? When he had four interceptions. Yeah. You, you get it with rookie quarterbacks. They throw like 30, 40, however many interceptions and they just fall apart. And yeah. They go they're down, completely down the toilet. But like, it only happened really once for Wilson against a, a tough Belichick. Is obviously yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a game as well uh, against the Titans. You know, um, last year I was watching some tape on again, and what I was really impressed with again, it will come back to how Wilson didn't let the bad start get to him. So against the Titans, he started two two for six completion, uh, pass pass completion um, for only five yards and an interception. But he fought back to finish complete 21 out of 34 passes for 297 yards and two touchdowns, obviously, with the pick. But that was Wilson's first NFL win against the eventual AFC champions. Mm. You know, that just to me shows that he does have that in the locker where he's going to dig deep and not he's going to put, you know, bad pick out of his mind and focus, you know, bear it in mind. But. Don't let it affect you. No, and that's like what I, what I mentioned with the with the London game. He threw that 
pick in the first half, and it was quite an ugly one, and, and he probably had a similar stat line. But um, they looked a lot better in the second half. Obviously, the, the run game came into it, and then Zach Wilson started. He made a few nice throws, and, and the Jets actually got back into the game. They were in it in the fourth quarter. So it does seem right. Like I said before, you, you sometimes see rookie quarterbacks spiral, get out of control. Mm. And it's especially in an offense like that, and the defense is not impressive at all. It, it could have been a lot worse, yeah, to be honest now, thinking about it. Well, yeah, you look at, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, in that Jags team, you know, he's supposed to be generational QB, mm. by far the first overall pick, and he struggled big time last year. And, OK, you can say the Jags situation is equally just as bad, if not worse, than the Jets. But for me, OK, he threw a lot more, but he played he played more games. And, you know, he was so heavy on the picks. But very importantly for Wilson, it's obviously he got injured. Uh, against the Pats, uh, not yeah, in helps. not in that four interception game, but in in the other fixture, yeah. suffered a PCL sprain after initial worries he'd be out for the season, but he only missed four games. But if anything, it was a it was a blessing because it allowed time to him to reflect on his start yeah. and help. And it, it, he said himself that he almost approached it like it was year two already, yeah. like the second half of the season. And and you can clearly see the how much he improved, like. Finished the season with five touchdowns, only two picks. So that's a big difference in cutting down the turnovers, making less mistakes. But also, I what I thought was uh, noteworthy was that he increased the use of his legs, and he picked up four rushing touchdowns and 163 yards in the final seven games after previously rushing for a total of just 22 in them opening five. So obviously, I think the run game that certainly helped him out later on because. Uh, you know, Michael Carter sort of burst onto the scene, I think, a little bit later on towards the, the end of the season. But also his use of, of his legs and being smart with it, you know, perhaps earlier on he would have tried, he would have got, been, it's trying to escape from the pocket, yeah. uh, panic a bit and make a big throw, caught, and, you know, there's a turnover. Yeah. But instead, perhaps he used his rushing ability, picked on them yards, you know, that, that, Get, relieves a bit of pressure on the offense and less on his passing game. Yeah, and that that rushing touchdown, fifty-two yards against the Jaguars, was yeah. insane. That like that shows that he's got a very high ceiling. On it's one of the most impressive runs from QB that that you can see. I think it was on Boxing Day. So he's not he's not even like necessarily quick or anything. No, no, no. but I mean he's certainly not slow. But you know, as as you say, I think that clearly shows how high his ceiling is. And I, I feel, feel like there is a, a, an elite QB in there. Yeah, 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 for sure. I could see it. But like I say, you maybe you want to see more about out of a rookie QB, especially one that was drafted second overall. But I really do not rate that offense um, that they had last year, that wide receiver room. And, and there's been plenty of worse um, rookie quarterback seasons. That, yeah, he had less yards per game um only Winston and Justin Fields had less yards per game than him last year. Um, so I, you do need to see a step forward, especially now with the pressure of having of the Jets having a, a supposed good draft and adding talent. So the pressure's on him now. But yeah, I could definitely see a, the second second year leap that, that you often see from quarterbacks. Yeah, of course. And, you know, uh, we t- touched on it a little bit, uh, a few episodes ago, but they've, you know, they've also had made some improvements uh, to that O-line. Um, so obviously... Bringing in Lake and Tomlinson from the 49ers. He made the Pro Bowl in 2021. Um, Conor McGovern had his best season, according to PFF, at centre last year. Um, 
Elijah Vera Tucker had a solid solid rookie season, but he's now going to be looking to blossom. And if they can get Mackay Becton fit and oh, stay in that tide, you know, that's, that's an O-line which is looking very good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, cu- coupled with Reese Hall, if he can come in and have an electric start, backed up by Michael Carter, I can see why there is a general consensus and a bit of hype around the Jets. Um, but what I will just will summarise that section... So I've put in in my notes here why Zach Wilson will improve in 2022. And first of all, we'll give a shout out to at Buffalo Jet Fan on Twitter. Got some stats from from him. So Wilson is good at holding on to the ball when hit. He fumbled the ball just five times to fight being sacked 41 times at a ratio of uh, 0.12, which was less than Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill and Big Ben. So had four interceptions in one game, so obviously it's a bad game. It can happen, but obviously that's put up his interception yeah, yeah, for the total. Yeah. Makes it look worse. Yeah. And 27 percent of his interceptions were rated as catchable by the wide receiver. Oh, you so you know, receiving issues as well. Hopefully, adding in Garrett Wilson there will will help him. Um, who's you know tenth overall pick in the draft. He's could easily be WR one. Elijah Moore breaking out as well could easily happen. Um, and yeah, as I've also got a bit of extra depth, I feel like in there as well with Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios. You know, not relying on Davis as one of the main guys, having him there adds a bit of depth. And I even saw watching tape, he started to pick up a bit of rapport with Davis throughout. And again, Davis had a bit of an injury. And I also like the additions of Conklin and Uzoma as well. And as you say, beefed up during the off-season, working well with his receivers at camps and had a nutritional plan in the off-season, tracking his diet. For me, I feel like he's he's ready. He's ready to go. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. And, and it was just a recipe for disaster on that offence last year. Braxton Barrios was a, the, the main spark for a lot of the year. And that, that's just not going to get it done in the NFL, especially not with a, a rookie quarterback. And they're not especially good on the other side of the ball either. So, yeah. I think it's a perfect candidate for this segment. There was shit last year, so it's not actually going to be too hard. To no. <laughs> but on paper, on roster now, if you get the second year leap, uh, leap from Wilson, there's no reason this couldn't be a top half NFL offense. Yeah, and as I say, I'm sticking my neck on the line and uh, playoffs. Playoffs. Baby. They're going to uh, sneak in. They'll sneak in just about. Wildcard, yeah. So that will bring us to. It's time for Over and Under. What is that new segment coming your way right now? So basically, we're going to flutter this into shows, maybe in the future, definitely a few times this show. And it's just a little look at um, one of us will pose an Over Under question. Could be anything, could be yards, could be games played, could be... Touchdowns, rushing yards, interceptions, sacks, literally any single stat in the NFL. Um, <laughs> so we'll go that, we'll just ask it and then um, feel free to get involved with um, with your own thoughts as well, if it'll be over and if it'll be under or if, if the line was just complete crap. So Ash, so just, first ever. Yeah, first one, we'll go with Zach Wilson. Over or under 4,000 passing yards for the season. Oh, that's pretty high. Like I said before, only Winston and Fields had less yards per game. Um, 179 Wilson had last year. If he plays 17 games and ups that from 180 to 200 yards per game, it should be like maybe about average, a bit less, then it'd be 3,570. 
Um, so that was the sort of figure that I got out. That would be like the baseline that he'd be, wouldn't be happy at all with anything less than that. 4,000 though, I still have questions about this offence and, and I would have liked to see more from him last year. So I'll say they rely a bit more on the run game this year, allow Wilson to continue developing and he gets just shy of that. Mm. Mm. And I'm guessing from everything you'd say, it'd be a bit ridiculous if you didn't say over. Yourself. I'm going to have to say over, but... Thinking now, I feel like maybe some of them rushing yards could mm. come into fruition. But fuck it. The playoff quarterback, according to you. Yeah, so, he's yeah. making the playoffs. He's, 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 now. he's getting over that 4,000. Yeah, he is. Nice. <laughs> then we'll end it there. Go for a break and be back with my first team. Welcome back to the Throat and Rotation podcast. We had a look at the Jets first up as one of the offences that will improve. So next up is Harry. You've selected the Commanders as one of your offences that will improve this year. So talk us through why you've picked them and how the offence performed a little bit last year. Yeah, so the Washington football teams, as they were last year, offence were ranked 21st in yard per game, 24th in points per game, 21st in pass yards per game and 12th in rush yards per game. Uh, last year so obviously they're a, a bottom half offense and looking to improve and I guarantee that this offense this commander's offense will be better than the football teams in 2022 they will be higher rated rated in yards per game points per game and passing yards per game mark my words they will be a top half offense next year mm. why well as with any offense a great place to start the only place to start is a quarterback and, and firstly, I want to give a little um, pat on the back to my boy, Ron Rivera, who um, who led the Commanders to 70, 7 and 10 and, and put out a, a competitive offence most weeks with Taylor Heineke at the helm uh, while I'm, I'm undergoing a bloody battle with cancer to boot. So fair play. That's an underrated job by Rivera, in my opinion. Heineke wow. is, is not a starting QB and nobody has left the season thinking Heineke is a starting QB. I like him a lot. Um, but he's he's not a starting level. So they've downgraded him from starter to backup, which is a nice spot. He's a great athlete and he's shown he's got great spirit and, and can lead the dressing room or whatever and put his body on the line as he needs to. But he's clearly not a starter. So they they um they were really in, heavily involved. They wanted uh, Russell Wilson, um, but they, they failed to acquire him because the Seahawks preferred an AFC trade partner, which makes sense. Um, they get Wentz instead. Quite early in the off-season process for two-thirds, one conditional could turn into a second. And I believe Wentz now has, after a, a, a dodgy year in Colts, I don't know, how would you regard, without maybe looking into it too much, the season that Wentz had with the Colts? Well, I, I don't know. I, the thing is with Wentz, it's just him, isn't it? I feel like... Just because his name's Carson Wentz, he looks like Carson Wentz, he acts like Carson Wentz, there's always a bit like... Oh, it's just Carson Wentz. But when you sort of look at it, and uh, you know, looking at the Colts, you see sort of secretly having a pretty decent season with them. And the the thing is, with me, surely there's got to be concerns. You know, the Eagles ended up not wanting him in the end after that big boy contract as well, and then the Colts have him for a year, and then they want to get rid of him. Both teams having to pay a lot of money off that contract with the guarantee, etc. Um, you know the financial loss as well as losing picks. They're really that desperate to get rid of Wentz. Like surely there must be a reason. 
Yeah, well, Jim Irsay, the Colts owner, came out himself and he, he, he said early after the season that he doesn't want him, basically. And I, I think it's, and it is a massive red flag to have two teams get rid of a, a quarterback who obviously has as much talent as he has. And that financial loss, like, that's not as if, like... Colts paid a lot for him. And right? the, the, they, they take on that cap hit yeah. and, you know, it's still following through, like, I he don't know. first plus for him. But it's because, in main part, I think the COVID stuff, and I don't really like him as a, as a, well, I don't know him as a person, but I don't like, I'm not saying I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz, the person. From and, what you've seen, and yeah. There's been, um, there's been teammates, like um, rumours that there's been trouble with teammates and whatever, but I think he's had a, a, a bad rap. And I think people, uh, I think, what was it? I've got it here. Someone called his, um, called his season awful last year, but it was far, far from awful. Um when he had seven interceptions, maybe didn't get the passing yards that you'd think, but that was in like a run, such a heavy run. Yeah, run first offense with JT, you know. The biggest running team in the NFL and, and the only threw seven interceptions. Another thing that compounds that is the capitulation they had to the Jags in the in the um the final game of the season. But that wasn't just Wentz, that's the whole offense and that's yeah. the whole team who, who fell to them. You can't just put that on his shoulders, although he did have a couple of Awful high-profile mistakes. I think it was more, you know, they were expected to be a playoff team. They looked like they were going to be a strong playoff team. And then, as you say, the sort of capitulation at the end. But interestingly, as you sort of said about, you know, perhaps him falling out with teammates, but I was listening to a Ron Rivera interview. He was discussing the trade and everything. And he was saying that the reaction by the Colts players, such as, you know, T.Y. Hilton and Darius Leonard expressing their views, saying that Wentz was a good teammate and a leader. You know, he was always open to helping the team. That's a, such a positive sign. And it's, it's so weird. I feel like Wentz is a, such a polarising figure that yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it depends who you are, whether you like him or not, and what experience you've had, you know. It's weird, it doesn't it seem like that sort of character where he's like really controversial or really like in your face or sort of thing that would tip players to ha- love him or hate him. It, it does seem kind of weird. Obviously, he um, rejected the notion that he's ever had any issues with teammates, as, as you probably would expect. But um, yeah, I, I think his stock is a bit too low because ESA didn't like the COVID stuff. He made some high-profile mistakes, but he, he steps into, I think, is a, a much better situation now. They've um, got a better set of weapons around him, starting with scary Terry McLaurin, mm. and we all know, who is an elite receiver, something that Wentz has not had since he entered the league, mm. even in his um, run in 2017, where uh, he was MVP favourite before he went down injured. Um, it's not even close, actually, the, the set of receivers that, he, that he'll have next year to, to previous years. Um, in that 2017 season, his wide receivers were Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. Who? Yeah. And not to mention Jahan Dotson is going to be a stud. Mm, Jahan. I didn't pay too much attention to him um, before the draft. Maybe it was the same case with a lot of fans and a lot of teams as well. Um, but I've fallen in love with him doing the research here. He's um, He had a higher PFF grade in his in his final year than, than Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jameson... Williams, who were the three taken before him, and only William had more yards in his final year. I think he's been slept on a little bit because he's a bit small. He's 5'11". He is a bit light. He doesn't have elite speed or quickness. Uh, so you feel as if there's a bit of a ceiling there. He can't be a, he can't be a Devante Adams, a Tyreek Hill, your boundary X receiver. But 
um, and it, which those other teams are probably looking for going for a big swing in the, in the top half of the draft. But um, they love Dotson. Rivera's come out and said it. They, Dotson was obviously their guy and they thought they could get him at, at 16. Um, and they knew they were scary Terry, which a lot of those teams picking first didn't. So they didn't mm. need the they didn't need that big that WR one yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Who was going to be you know that elite straight off uh, the, you know straight away? Yeah, really. yeah. They, they wanted someone to compliment scary yeah. Terry, uh, and um, Dotson will fit into the slot seamlessly. He didn't play too much as a slot in college, but he, he's perfect for the slot in the NFL. He's so intelligent. He missed a rookie training camp to a session to pick up his bachelor's degree. Um, and he just seems like really applied to football. He's really doing it. He said, I think he was in the media saying he's trying to be a sponge in OTAs, which you, you get a lot of, obviously. But it seems like the mentality and the application is there. And um, the explosiveness is there as well. Nobody in college football had more 20-plus yard touchdowns in his last two years. He had, he had 11. Yeah, I've taken a look into Dotson, as you said, because after you were saying that um, that you wanted to talk about him, and you know, from what I've sort of seen as well, it does seem like he he's definitely going to be successful in the NFL. You know, not that big, not that fast, but you know, he's got good separation. He's able to extend his frame well, so he appears bigger yeah, than his yeah. size, um, which is obviously. Positive. Five foot eleven, and he's been heralded for his catch radius. Which yeah, you don't see a exactly. Lot of pretty impressive. Yeah, but reliable catch. He had a drop rate of just two point two percent. You know, and he, he has he can run a variety of routes. So you know, there's plenty of different options here to, as you say, compliment Scary very well. And you know, that's perhaps people a little bit slept on Scary, just purely because of the fact that. Everyone, he's been the only guy really in that Washington team. If they, if they all now these defenses are going to have uh, Dotson to look out for, hopefully for the, the commanders, a Curtis Samuel if he's yeah, fully yeah, fit, yeah, yeah, yeah. has them that could even open up the door for, for Terry McLaurin as well. Yeah. Um, but I will just like to mention because it's quite an interesting thing in, in the draft actually. Uh, three of the receivers, well, two of the receivers that you mentioned, they surprisingly traded back from eleventh when Chris Olave and Jameson Williams were available. Do you think this was a good move for the Commanders? I think it makes uh, absolute sense. They um, they got running back Brian Robinson with one of the extra picks. They got two extra mid round picks. Um, who's someone I, I didn't look at too much before the draft, but um, he seems like a really good fit too. Short yardage, bit of a, a bit of a bruiser, and, and he was described as a, the best short yardage guy in the draft, getting him in the third round. And just support to that Gibson game. anyway, you who, know. Gibson and McKissick are your, are your speed guys. I'll burn you, and then you get a bit of a bruiser in there to um, to support it. So I think it makes a lot a lot of sense. Uh, um, Dotson himself is uh, he's very smooth and he's not slow. He, he did a four forty on the combine. Um, he reminds me a bit of Chris Godwin. Obviously, we had Mike Evans there to um, as our boundary X guy, and, and and we've got Godwin who can do it all. We can he plays in the slot, but he can do it all, and he's, he's a great football player, really intelligent. Mm. Who people stepped on Godwin, obviously wasn't picked until the third round, I think. So I'm getting similar vibes there. Yeah, and I think if he lives up to those sort of expectations, and you've got Scary Terry there playing with him. Um, with a good quarterback for the first time. He's been in there three years and he's not had a good quarterback. And then you've got Dotson and Curtis Samuel. All of a sudden, you've got a really good-looking wide receiver. Really. Yeah, I mean, if Samuel stays fit as well, that's, you know, I think that's potentially, as you say, three very good receivers there. And 
with Carson Wentz, you know, he could really prosper. Uh, it's just that physicality uh, uh, is that it's that main issue. I think. I think you know, perhaps a bit more physical backs in the NFL uh, trying to get up to this college from college yeah. to NFL level may be the issue. But yeah, for sure. you know, I've I don't know. It's quite surprising, really. It seemed like Ron Rivera himself was so set on him. You know, he he did not have any questions, and he saw the value by dropping back. But you you even had some somebody like Traylon Burke still there, and it was the the pick of Dotson was a bit seemed a bit of a reach, and he was expected to go towards the end of the first or the beginning of the second. Yeah, I um I think PFF in the draft guide they said if it wasn't such a good wide receiver class like at the, at the top end, then he he'd be talked about as a, a top sixteen sort of pick. Yeah. Um, and I just love it. I like you look. You look at your guy. You look at what your need. If you like him, if you think he's going to be successful, and you think he would suit your team the most, get whoever you want. And they moved down to get him anyway, and that allowed them to. Because um, Rivera said they wanted extra bodies, they wanted extra picks in the mid round before the draft. It allowed them to do that. It allowed them to then draft Sam Howell in the fifth round and still get their guy anyway. Good. Yeah, exactly. And they still got the guy who, like you say, they probably went into it knowing that they wanted. Well, just interesting that you mentioned Sam Howell because I do quickly want to touch on him. I feel that's quite uh, quite surprising for me, as you say. They've still got such a capable backup in in Heineke there, and I suppose it was the value. Listening to Rivera again, he was surprised that Howell was still on the board at the beginning of day three, and I feel like it's probably not really to do with the QB situation, but purely the fact that a guy like Howell's there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be silly not to for the value at that stage. But I mean, it what? Maybe he's not fully on Wentz and he's just saying he is, though. Who knows? Oh, yeah, I think at, at the fifth, why not take a swing at the guy? Um, yeah. Obviously, they had him high on their board, and um, like they know that they're not idiots. They're not fully blind to Wentz's issues. And he played a couple of third-rounders for him. They know that a strong chance that it doesn't pan out and that he's not playing for them in a year or two years' time. They know that Heineke is a good backup, but he's not a star in the NFL. So if you've got those two extra picks, you've got the depth you wanted, why not swing for a QB in the fifth round? Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect, really. He's a guy, as you know, we all know that this QB draft class wasn't considered to be anywhere near as good as last year. But adding in somebody like that with already Wentz and Heineke there gives him ample time to develop and settle into the NFL and, you know, hone his skills and without the pressure of feeling like, fuck, I might have to start next week or yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's a nice situation. I'd, uh, I'd love Ron Rivera to be my coach as well, so can't complain. It's time for Over and Under. Wow, that was intense. Another one. Another one pipes up. Uh, pipes up. Jahan Dotson is the target here. And the over-under figure, full yards in his rookie year, receiving yards, <laughs> the figure is 670. 670. Which I'll choose that figure, maybe think it's on the lower side, because that is the most yards by any Commanders player other than Scary Terry since he came into the league, which was 2020. That was Logan Thomas, a tight end. So no, no other wide receivers since Terry has entered the league has had over 500 yards, which I, I think shows a need to draft a wide receiver in the first round, but but a receiver like Dotson. Yes, yeah, interesting. Uh, obviously, as we said, uh, it, things could open up. Uh, you know, 
Terry McLaurin is scope for him to even do better. He's only just hit over 1,000 yards in his last two seasons. And I feel like with Wentz there, that could open up. Mm. Is Curtis Samuel is fit. Maybe that takes off yeah, some of the targets yeah. um, for Dotson. You never know how a rookie receiver settles in. You know, sure. he, he might come in, hit the ground running and get so many targets, builds up that relationship, went straight away. But he could also... It might take six weeks. Yeah, or, or it might or take a while. Longer, yeah. I mean, he has that first season not getting yards. Mm. So over 670, hmm. I'm going to say... Yeah. I'm going to say that Samuel ends up being WR2 and Dotson under. under mm. I'm thinking maybe... Four or five hundred yards. Mm, interesting. Well, uh, Commanders fans must just be waiting to have that that second guy there because seeing Scary Terry it must be a bit depressing over the first three years. Just struggle there on his own with the poor quarterback play as well. Talking of poor quarterback play, I will bring it back to Carson Wentz. Um, and the word I was looking for last year, uh, the word I was looking for earlier was abysmal. That um, <laughs> someone in NFL media used to describe him. Last year, and he was not abysmal, not by far. He was 27 touchdowns for 10 interceptions. You can't call that abysmal. It was his first year with a team. You've got to remember that. Even though he's a veteran quarterback, it's hard for a quarterback to come in and, and learn the system and all of that shit. Relatively new coaching staff as well. And there were some horrific mistakes thrown in there. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, the, the loss on the final day with the Jaguars. Um, but that wasn't just on him. Despite that, it's clearly a massive upgrade for Wentz, uh, Wentz over Heineke, and I don't think that can be understated. Heineke had a sub-60 PFF grade last year. He had a turnover, turnover-worthy turnover play rate of 4.3% compared to compared to Wentz, who had 2.6%. Heineke had double the interceptions, over double the interceptions. I think um, Wentz is going into a better O-line now. Um, the commanders... you. You might not expect that, but the Colts were rated 30th in pass rush and pass protection efficiency last mm. year, and the commanders were, were higher. Um, they were 12th, I think, in PFF's offensive line grading at the end of the year. So he's going into a better pass protecting situation. He's got better wide receivers. Um, so I think that equals a bloody improvement to me. Everything's looking good on paper. Improved, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So... Just to sum up, quick, quick answer from you for the for the on the commanders. Can they topple the Cowboys for the NFC East title? Um, absolutely for me. The um, I've got the Eagles as as the winners of that division mm. next year at the minute, but um, I, I think it's not the strongest of divisions. It's obviously stronger than it's been in in recent years. I think they they're ceiling absolutely as winners of that division. Like, like I'll say, I'll summarise it. Better quarterback, uh, who's got now got a better offensive line and better wide receivers. They've improved for me. The players on that offensive side of the roster have got Jahan Dotson, who I expect to be a stud in the NFL level. And they were twentieth uh, or lower ranked in pretty much every category last year. So for me, I'm hundred percent sure this commander's offence will improve in 2022. Mm, interesting take for sure, but it's Carson Wentz, and I don't like Carson Wentz, so... <laughs> well, um, Carson Wentz is can't escape the hate, even though he's predicting he'll do better. We'll end that, uh, that little segment there and go for a break. So welcome back to the Throwing Rotation podcast. Hope you enjoyed that little break. 
we'll move. Enjoyed the little break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope they enjoyed the few seconds that they had. <laughs> Not listening to us. <laughs> we'll move it swiftly on to our next offense that we believe, well, that Ash believes will improve in 2022. And that is the Arizona Cardinals, who were ranked eighth in yards per game in 2021. They've lost Edmonds, Kirk, and obviously New Hopkins for the first six games of the season. Aside from the fact you're sat there right now with a K1 jersey on, tell there us you why you're sure that the uh, the Cards Eye will be will be better next year. Well, I am certain just because I've got to always back my boys, haven't yeah, I? Yeah. But don't worry, I will. I'll back it up as well. I've got plenty to get into. I hope so. But also, I really just wanted to back my boys after all the slander that's happened over the yeah, past few weeks. You and Reese have dug straight into K one and the Cardinals, and there's not really been much opportunity for me to have my say. So we'll, we'll dig into them now. The floor is yours, Ashley. So ah, wow, wow. Where do we start? Well, I suppose. It's got to be K1, hasn't it? We've got to start there. So, right. so much controversy, so much drama around the NFL. All about Kyler Murray. Mm. He He's the new boy. That's what everyone wants to talk about. Everyone loves him. Kyler Murray. Well, not <laughs> everyone loves him, but we all love him. He has been in the in the news probably more than anyone this offseason, to mm. be fair. Uh, and it, he's obviously the contract situation, that's sort of clouding a lot of it. And... For me, I'm not worried about that. Um, the, you know, the recent interviews with Steve Kime, as we've spoken about quite a lot already, to me is everything good. And I know you agree with that, uh, you know, sort yeah. of joking around about with the agent. Um, you know, and I just feel like, and I, I agree with what Kime's saying, like it makes sense how, um, you know, the, these contracts don't get sorted until the late summer. Uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes didn't get their new deals um, before their fourth seasons, and also when they did, it was towards uh, later on. Yeah. You know, you've got the free agency, the draft. Kaim said himself how much tape he's been watching, um, you know, on the draft and everything like that. So, you know, there's got to be time for this to happen, and something like this doesn't want to be rushed. You want to make sure it's right, and, you know, for me, there's no issue there. A lot of it is media noise. A lot yeah. of it is just, you know... The, a media circus because to get the views the clicks you know I mean, the biggest part of it was uh, um him scrubbing his instagram account which uh, we were talking about off air and it's just kind of off-season tropes and storylines that you always see that that normally you've forgotten about by by the time september rolls mm. around of course you had that weird agent statement thing where that just kind of seemed more weird than than anything well i mean uh, i feel like the whole the scrubbing thing as we we said earlier it, it's it's not it's something that people do. Like yeah. it's not a big deal. Social yeah. media is, it's just way. It's looked at way too in depth. Like how many times you just sit in there, and you just don't even. It's just little throwaway comments, or you know, it's just you get pissed off with something, and you're just like, oh, I've had enough. Who knows? Maybe he got a load of stick one time, and he's oh, I've had enough, and he I just mean, scrubs yeah. it all, not yeah, even for yeah, even yeah. any reason for the Cardinals. It literally, could be anything. Could be anything. I know people who scrub it once a year, every year. Just anyway, yeah, like. I've done it myself where I just don't want things on there anymore. Like, it just yeah. happens. Like, we can't be we can't be tracking 23, 24-year-old social media account to, to know what's happening in the NFL yeah. too much. And taking it as gospel that yeah. he's not going to sign a new deal or whatever. I just, it just seems silly to me. Mm. 
And um, he's opted out of attending uh, the beginning of OTAs, which is optional anyway. But again, I don't think it's a big deal. Kingsbury expects him to be present for the mandatory mini camp in June. I don't know if it's a big deal, but I, I don't know. I'd be kind of annoyed by it. Especially, Colin Murray himself has said that the, the contract is getting done and, and there doesn't seem to be really uh, uh, too much issue then. Uh, it seems both sides, as you say, know it's going to get done. So uh, most young quarterbacks turn up to OTAs. You only really get like Rodgers not turning up and, and Tom Brady turns up half the time. If I was him and he's got a a new wide receiver and he's got to implement this offence without new Hopkins. I said, be there as much as you can be. Improve. You, you didn't finish the season well last year. Why not turn up and, and get in as much practice as you can? Yeah, I mean, of course, I, I understand that. But, you know, it's not uncommon. That, you know, a lot of players do do miss them. You know, people like Aaron Donald, Scary Terry, they weren't there. And four of our starting O-line in DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson and Kelvin Beecham weren't all there either. Who is there? Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. But, you know, they weren't there. You know, like... It's again, again it's something that it's this off-season storyline that that you forget about by the time yeah. it's September. Is and everyone does things, you know, how they want, you know... Okay, maybe just because he's not there, who knows? He might have personal stuff going on. He might just prefer to have some individual prep that he wants to focus on for himself. But everything that I listen to, everything that I hear about Kyler Murray is positive. You know, obviously somebody like Steve Kime is going to be backing backing him, but everything I hear is so good. Like it's clear, specific examples. It's not as if it's like throwaway comments. Yeah. You know, it's clear that. He loves football. He wants to stay in Arizona. Like he tweeted himself that it's his home. He wants to win Super Bowls with us. If if he wasn't certain on that, he's not going to stick his neck out on the line and tweet something like that because he's just setting himself up for a, a bombardment of shit after that. Yeah, it did seem like a lot of his frustration kind of came, and it was in the statements and stuff that uh, it came from the fact he didn't know if Car- he didn't really feel the Cardinals were doing enough to win. Um, and and since then they've brought in Marquise Brown, who obviously he's got a good relationship with. And um, <laughs> that's what's happened. Have just all this happened. Yeah, he just wanted his buddy there, and he's got Marquise Brown, and now everyone's happy. And uh, <laughs> I've always thought it was funny as well. Uh, we've mentioned about it as, of course, off air. How um, Kime said he wanted a WWE cage match with uh, oh, what's his name, Burkhart, Eric Burkhart. Uh, you know, as you said. Um, it's positive. If they seriously got some issues, they're well, not going to. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about Kyler himself. You know, Please. to me, there's no, there should be no doubt that he's an elite QB. I know you've said in the past where some sort of GMs and all that they don't like his height mm. and and things like that. But you know, he finished second in the league in completion percentage last year, and before his ankle injury, he was consistently among the most efficient passers, while also having one of the most explosive deep balls. Yeah, yeah. You know, combined with his unique rushing ability, you know, he can, he may, he deserves that big contract. You know, look at, you know, the, the elite QBs and the de- sorts of deals they're getting, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, even somebody like Kirk Cousins, who I know you and Maurice both <laughs> hate, you know, he's he, getting paid and he's he so much. hasn't played up to the level that Kyler Murray has even in his first three years. Exactly. And he could literally play next season. He could literally walk out with training next week, or whatever, whenever he decides to come back, or whatever, and breaks his leg. Never the same, you know. Anything yeah, can happen. So you, I understand why he wants to get paid when he sees all of these 
other players and the QB market, or just in general, the salaries infl- inflating. He wants that deal secured, but and he deserves it. You know, f- for me, there's no there's no issues with Carlo. Yeah, I don't think I, I've said it on the podcast before. I don't think he should ever have an issue with, with a player trying to get paid if it's not affecting too much the team, the team too much. You shouldn't be moaning about a, a player trying to secure his future get the money off of these bloody billionaire owners as well. So he may be using the Instagram and the missing OTAs as a bit of leverage in the contract situation. But like you say, it's perfectly normal. And, and they're not even reading between the lines, looking at what they're saying. It seems that a, a deal is, is going to come before too long. Mm, for sure. For sure. You know, uh, no issue there for me. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the Cardinals offense. And as he's just mentioned, uh, D Hop will be suspended, missed the first six weeks. So obviously that makes a lot more sense now for Marquise Brown uh, to come in. And surely I think where we were our pick in the draft, we that you know a lot of the top guys had already gone at that point. And I feel like we thought right, well, none of the guys that were receiver we like are there. Coupled with the fact that somebody like Brown is you know, has already has that relationship with Murray. I don't see the issue with trading away that first for him. And I think we also got a third back, Um, you know, and I know you're a little bit less hot on Brown than I am. but I don't really, I don't think he's shown enough in his time so far in the NFL to warrant being traded for for a first rounder. He's not really of the same ilk of DeAndre Hopkins. Only reached... A thousand receiving yards once. So I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. Like in a stasis, he's worth a first round. But it, if you're missing a player for the first half of the season, if if he's a guy that your quarterback loves, then then get your guy. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And I know you said he only just got over a thousand receiving yards, but that's uh, in a Ravens team that does not throw it anywhere near yeah, as true. much as the Cardinals. You know, Lamar Jackson himself very hit or miss with his passing ability I think sometimes and you know if he's still able to do that I think with somebody like Kyler and his passing ability to me I feel like he's just gonna he's gonna go up and especially with Hopkins not there he's gonna be the main guy and then just think when Hopkins does return that depth Hopkins Brown Rondell Moore, after a, 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 set, a fair, fairly solid rookie season, I think he could have a big breakout this mm-hmm. year. Um, AJ Green as well, I think he did fairly well as a veteran that experience. And then also Trey McBride, you know, he he's a tight end who he, I know you quite often say that they don't really do much in their rookie campaigns, but he's he's a, he's a he's a pass catcher. You know, he's not a tight end there who's gonna he can part he can catch the ball a bit and. And, you know, he's not, yeah, he's not really that. He 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 led the offense uh, for Colorado um, at, at college. Mm. He had over a thousand reception uh, receiving yards, and you know, for me, just adding even that's what we've got set out to do. Kimes looked at it and thought, right, all we're going to do now is add weapons for Kyler, and I feel like you see that works. You know, look at look at the Bengals adding, in, you know, that how stacked everyone saw their offense. You know, for me, you know that seem that's what we're trying to do, and I feel like that is the way forward. You know, is it, you saw how much we missed Hopkins down the stretch. A lot. You know, 
with mate and again with his suspension, his return should help us down the stretch. He misses the first bit of the season. Hopefully, with a more fresh Kyler, uh, the rest of the offense, and then having him back, who's more fresh and he yeah. should not be fit, and then adding him to, to later on, that should help with the perhaps with us falling off. And you know, uh, for me, everything's going up, and let's not forget about Zach Ertz as well. You know, that's so many solid pass catches across the board there for me. So many weapons. Um, you know, I, I just feel like we're going to improve again. You know, Cliff Kingsbury now head into his fourth season as head coach, and we've seen improvement every year. You know, first year we went five and ten uh, and a tie. Then we went eight and eight and missed out on the playoffs. And last year, eleven and six after that in crazy start. Yeah. You know, our main issue was the was the defense, not really offense. In particular, our Russian D, which obviously we're not going to cover in this episode. Um, but for me, I, I just can see that offense getting better. You know, James Connor again. We've re-signed him. He had 18 total touchdowns last season. Uh, we've just got in uh, Dal Williams as well, backed up by them. You know Benjamin and new running back Keontae Ingram, sixth round pick. I know you said we lost Chase Edmonds, but obviously adding in them guys should help. And for me, I don't know. I just I feel I'm just going to see see more improvement for me. I just I, can only see it going up. I don't think that you can overstate the difference in the offense with and without the Andre Hopkins last year. Uh, you close one for four, you obviously get the um, the big difference in the, in the results. Um, uh, you, you'd only lost one or two prior to that. Um, but, but the offense just fell apart, really, without him. And, and you get the end of the season stuff, and Murray was beat up himself, but it was such a drastic distance, uh, difference. 30.2 points per game with Nuke and then 18.8 after. That's like from one of the best in the league to one of the worst. Uh, passing touchdowns per attempt fell from 6% to 2.4%. Red zone touchdown rate was 65.9% with Nuke and then 35.7% without. And that's uh, mm. it's a massive difference. And you, you get Marquise Brown, he's not going to fill in that um, that red zone uh, He's not going to be as big of a red zone threat as Nuke. Nowhere close. You've had a Trey McBride, maybe. But again, he's not a big-bodied receiver for, for when you're down near that enzyme. Uh, enzyme? <laughs> end zone. Murray's completion, he, he fell apart himself. It fell 8.5%. He was blitzed. It, teams changed the way they played against you. He was blitzed three times more on average per game. Pretty mad. And of course, you have, like you say, brought in Marquise Brown to fill in the void. Paid a first for him. Um, but at five foot nine, one hundred and eighty pounds, he he's not going to replace that red zone production. He's not going to be that boundary X receiver. Uh, I think you're going to have to change what sort of offense you are if Marquise Brown is going to be able to sufficiently not replace, but like fill in for Hopkins and and then obviously push on when he comes back. You a big spread offense, obviously um, over the last couple of years or so. Use less four four receiver sets after the injury, um, and you can't you can't. Who are you going to put in that boundary X role with with no Hopkins? You can't you can't have Marquise Brown there on the on the perimeter. You, you can maybe put AJ Green there for more, but he's a year older now. I, I think there's going to be more changes. I think you're going to go, especially drafting Trey Trey McBride so early on. You're going to go to more twelve personnel. Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to open up his playbook and, and change it a little bit and, and change his passing offense. Um, maybe Ertz can be that X guy, but again, I, I'm not too sure. I think for this offense to stay the same, you're going to need 
uh, brilliance from Cliff Kingsbury. You're going to need Marquise Brown to probably take a step up from where he's been before. And you're going to have this whole offense is going to have to work as well as it did at times in a new in a new system or in a changed or slightly altered system. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if I will see a, a Cardinals offense stay the same this year. Like you said, you're an eighth in points per game over the whole 17, 17 um, game season. You were about middle of the road in DVOA, so that maybe that projects that you weren't actually that good. Even less in weighted DVOA, which puts more stock into the the late part of the season, which obviously you would expect with the injuries, etc. Um, so I'm not completely sorry. What you're going to be a top five offense next year? You think? I feel uh, again last year we were slept on a lot at the beginning of the season, and I feel like we a lot of t- you know a lot of people didn't realize how good we were, and again it feels like we are going to be again this season, and again I feel like the Hollywood Brown acquisition for me. Is you? Know, I think you're underrating it personally, mm. you know. And I completely get that he's not a big guy, but he's going to be that deep threat. And okay, stats wise, it doesn't look great uh, from him at the Ravens. But just having that relationship with K one and that rapport between receiver is so important for me. Um, over thirteen hundred receiving yards and ten touchdowns in just twelve games in twenty eighteen with K one as signal caller. They've clearly got that relationship, and I know you're saying about uh, the 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 end zone targets, but I feel like Zach Ertz and Trey McBride are definitely the guys there. And also, I think we could potentially look to use Kyler as a rusher again, particularly without Hopkins. Oh, yeah. We last season we were looking for him to rush less, um, but I feel like without Hopkins, we will use his legs, protect him because we don't want him to get injured, but also use it. You know, if if there's no guys open, uh, you know, use it. And... Or maybe more design runs. Maybe that will that will factor into the playbook a bit. Yeah. More. Now he knows he's missing that explosiveness, all that that massive talent with with DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they do open it up in that way a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like we, we you know, as you just said with the designed runs, perhaps a lot of the time wasn't necessarily design run plays, but more of the fact that Kyler would scramble. And just purely because of his, how quick yeah, he is, he'd yeah. just take off because the space opened up. But if we do use it a little bit more intelligently, um, then it could definitely work because they're not stupid. Cliff knows the drop off of our offense yeah, yeah. Um, without Hopkins, yeah. you know, and he's going to make sure that we adapt to the situation. Okay, we've, we bring in the help with Trey McBride and Hollywood, but also he's going to know that Hollywood is not going to be exact replica of that Hopkins uh, of Hopkins not playing so obviously for me that Cliff is going to be aware of this and he's a, for me he's a great coach you know he, he's he's only just he's this is like his fourth season now uh, fifth season heading into the NFL he's clearly backed by the Cardinals because we've given him I think something got like a seven-year contract or something mm. quite silly like that but for you know, there's clearly confidence there. We've improved every single year. Uh, for me, uh, okay, I completely understand the point of D Hop. But as I said, when he comes back, when everyone else is fit, that offense is going to be electric. And all you say, how much we're going to miss D Hop? There's six games, and I know six games is quite a big portion of the season. Over a third of the season, I it think. is, but. There's a reason why we've ended up getting somebody like Hollywood Brown. We've not as if we've been like, right, we'll try and do without 
Hopkins for the first six and then have him. You know, okay, we might not do as well in terms of pass, uh, pass, passing yards per game, etc. Maybe the offense will take a little bit of a hit in them first six, which is to be expected. Yeah, but yeah. I think overall, especially with a fit Hopkins down the stretch, that's really going to help. And I feel like it's going to be electric. I feel like there are, um, I believe there are too many questions on this offense, and the base was too good in 2021. For me to stick my neck out the line, um, and for anyone to stick out the neck on the line and say they will one hundred percent be better next year, but I respect that you've uh, that you've clapped back to the hate that, that yeah. we've given the Cardinals. I had to stick up for my boys, really. Yeah, yeah, you had to do. It. I, I respect that you've done it, um, and and it, it could work. It does seem to me Cliff has got a plan. I, at least I hope for your sake and for Cardinals fans' sake, he's got a like a specific plan for this offense because he has gone in a very specific way. Marquise Brown is a like a specific wide receiver, like you say, he's pretty bloody small for an NFL player, and you've gone with Trey McBride early in the draft, so maybe more twelve personnel, like I say. But for me, too many question marks. But I like how you've come out and defended your boys. Yeah, I've got to. I've got to. I've, I've always. I'm not a little Reese Davidson <laughs> chatting shit about Josh Allen just because he has a couple of bad games. Two now, yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking with my boy. I'm backing him, but no. Let's actually, it's time for It's time for Over and Under So, wow I'm going to go for, because you love saying how injury prone Kyler is, and I guess this also features in whether we'll make the playoffs or not as well, which I'd like to hope we will Kyler Murray over wait, 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 wait. Did you just say you'd like to hope you'll make the... Uh, well, after, the I've, after I've just said that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we are, we are. We're going to make... We're making the playoffs. But this is down to your opinion, was what I was okay, more trying okay, to say. Okay, okay. Kyler Murray, over or under, will he start 17 games next season? No. No. No chance. Mm. Well, not not no chance, but I think I'll definitely rather take the, the under there. Um I mean, just look at the the historical data and and go off that, and and you've got what because he's didn't start like two like a few games last season, like every year before that. I'm pretty being... sure he started no, he most start of them. Yeah, most of them. So I'm looking. Oh, at, like has, near, has pretty much all of them. At least started seventeen games. I'm pretty sure season last there. season was the only one where he didn't start. That's fine. Apart from his rookie year when he wasn't. He started 16 games in 2020, and he started 16 in 2019. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. This, so, is the, um, this is the banter me and Reese have been going. Yeah, it's, you're full of it. Yeah. It's just full of it. I knew you're injury prone and all that. He, what, he, he didn't start three games last year. That, and that before yeah, that, yeah, be, yeah, but before that, before that, he didn't. Really. He hadn't missed a game. Yeah, he might have been a bit banged up or whatever, and he had to come off at the end, but bullshit, like... You're way over over exaggerating his injury proneness. Maybe, maybe. However, I'm still not gonna. I'm still not confident that. Um, I mean, maybe it's his size a little bit as well, and um, just how he's always on the bloody social media doing Madden tournaments or stuff like that. He's um, he's not a man's man, and he will not be playing 17 games next year. Interesting. It's time for Over and Under. I also, Another one. Another one. <laughs> I also have an over-under on Kyler Murray. And uh, it's in a similar vein to what we've just been talking about. 
how many home runs will he hit next year for the for the Yankees? Right, we'll just, just grow up. Okay, okay. He's not playing baseball, mate. Yeah, I just want another hug back to that. Yeah, um, of course. That's the only thing you've really got. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. We'll end that bit there, go for another little short break and finish with our fourth offence. That will be better next year. So, welcome back to the Throat and Rotation podcast. We've now looked at three offences that will get better in 2022. And we've got our final one now. So, Harry, he's gone for the Giants. It's a make or break year for Daniel Jones, who struggled to settle in the NFL so far. How do you think the former sixth overall pick will fare this season? Mm, yeah, so Giants new, head, new Giants head coach Brian Dable has, has asked Danny Jones to turn it loose last mm. week he was in the media. and. Focus has been on um, interceptions for Danny Jones the last couple of years, cutting them out, and I think maybe that's played a part in him being a bit boring the last two years. The Giants' offense has been pretty awful to watch, so I, I would not ask him to cut loose, but but take control, take take control of the offense, take command of his future, have the confidence to be loose on the field, and let his talent come out. The confidence that he is good enough, even if he isn't, <laughs> he does. If he does take control, if he does get his mind right, I guarantee that the Giants' offense will be much better in 2022. Wait, you just said ifs and stuff. I thought there was no ifs, Harry. I want a certain 100%, none of the ifs. Okay, well, the Giants will 100% <laughs> be better in 2022. However, I if Daniel Jones... No. <laughs> I've dug myself a hole here. Um, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on and say that the reason I have any confidence in this Giants offence um, improving, not just because they were one of the absolute worst in the league, but it, it's the O-line, that offensive mm. line in front of Daniel Jones. He, um, they were PFF's third third worst to end the 2021 season. But the only returning starter is fourth overall pick in 2020, Andrew Thomas, mm. who last year bounced back from a real poor rookie season in which he allowed 10 sacks, Earned a PFF blocking grade of 54.7, mm. not good. But that improved to 82.1 last year, massively. He only allowed 19 pressures on 517 pass block snaps. Um, while he didn't play every game, it was notable the impact when he was there, that the O-line pretty much fell apart. He was holding that O-line together, I think it's fair to say. And then the other side of the offensive line now, got him at left tackle, right tackle were drafted, Evan Neal. Seventh overall. Mm-hmm. To me, Ash, I don't know if you agree, but it looks like uh, he's one of those no-brainers at, at, at the top of the draft. One of the no-brainer tackles at the top of the draft. Six foot seven, 350 pounds, actually moves well. Kind of seems like a slam dunk to me. I fell in love with Evan Neal. Mm. Uh, there is obviously a lot of good offensive tackles uh, in the draft. You know, Iki Aquanu and uh, Charles, Charles Cross, Cross yeah. yeah. But for me, Evan Neal was that guy. You know, as you said... He's a, just an absolute monster of a man, six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pounds. Mm. But he mm. has the explosive, yeah. Exp- but he has the explosiveness and uh, and speed as if he moves fifty pounds lighter. Um, so for me, you know, I think he's, I think he's, he was by far the best tackle in the draft for me. Um, but it's quite interesting that he fell. But um, he was a, he's, he was a starter as a true freshman from Alabama. Mm. He's dependable. 
and he hardly missed any games. I think he said himself that he missed like one through COVID, yeah. and that was about it. Um, 85.8 PFF grade in 2021. Versatile. He's played across all the like, different positions across the O-line as well. Just listening to him as well on Good Morning Football when he, they were having a little profile of him before the draft. I just fell in love with everything he was. He spoke brilliantly. He, just, he was confident in himself, but it didn't come across as arrogant like he just seems like such a good player, like, and he's going to be a great addition to New York. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to, to think that he won't be an absolute slam dunk. And tackles have been rookie tackles, and, and first year, second year tackles have been doing really well recently. Obviously, had Tristan Wirfs a couple of years ago drafted, won mm. the Super Bowl first year, and now he's, he's one of the, the top tackles in the league. For sure. Um, and, and also on that offensive line, Dable's brought in. Um, Brought with him the O line coach from the Bills, Bobby Johnson, who who held that role for three years, and during that time they improved from from one of the worst lines in the league to a solid to good line. Um, over his time there, only in three years, and and that's without investing too many resources in the in the O line. They've been able to go big in other positions by shoring that up, like like going big to digs or something like that. So, um, obviously Daniel Jones is not able to control the O line. Uh, and I think one of the this new coaching staff's most important most important roles, most important jobs, most important questions is is whether they can provide Daniel Jones with solid O line play, just solid O line play at least. Obviously, you've got a few guys in the middle that that'll new. We'll see how well they bed in. Um, but but since Daniel Jones entered the league, that O line has been um, the bottom half, and well, the last two years it has been in the bottom three. So I think that. Is obviously so hard for a, yeah. for a young quarterback, and it probably contributes to the injuries he's had as well and the, the games he's missed. Well, well, that's what uh, you know. That I was going to say it ties in with that. You know, it's hard to really judge a quarterback like that when he's had such a dire o- offensive line. Like you got to help him out, as we were just saying about Zach Wilson at the Jets. You know, he, he struggled because of the O line, and I don't think their O line is it probably as bad as what the Giants is. So, you know, if he then has that, which it seems a, a drastic improvement, then, uh, you know, it should open up open up the, the space for him to do well. And uh, just going back to what you said about Jones and uh, Dayball wanting to turn it loose, as you said, I think that's definitely going to have to take that with some caution because he had 49 total turnovers since he was drafted uh, in 2019, yeah. tied for third most in the league. Um and let's also not forget, though, that he hasn't had the help from from the rush either. You know, Saquon Barkley's been out and uh, injured, and he's missed a lot of games. And he's only featured in fifteen games in the past two seasons. Yeah. A lot of last season as well was, you know, he was limited touches. He wasn't fully fit, yeah. and they were just sort of trying to get him back in to get up to match fitness and stuff like that. But you know. <laughs> There's a lot of things that need to go right for him to do well, and yeah. if they do fall into place, it could work for he, sure. He's definitely shown shown flashes over his three years, and and with the injuries to the O line, the injuries to the skill position players, and the injuries to himself, he's obviously just not been able to get in a rhythm. This whole offense hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. They lost um, the whole team lost 115 games by starters to injury last year, the third most in the league. Um, Andrew Thomas, the, the tackle, had more touchdowns than Golladay and Kadarius Tony. Uh, Golladay and Kadarius Tony, the, the wide receiver one and two, combined for less touchdowns than than the left tackle. That's pretty. That's yeah, the, 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 I mean, with Tony, I mean, the, he's had issues himself with injury, and I know he also had COVID as well. So, 
that's a, it's a big year for him as well. You know, he needs to prove his first round status and why he was drafted there. Um, you know, but apparently he's made a bit good impression with Brian Dayball. Mm. Um, he's been attentive in meetings and doing all the right things on and off the field. So that's obviously good signs and obviously everything you want to hear. But of course, Kenny Golladay, you, you are a bit concerned with how he pretty much did nothing last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that is an area of concern. But like you say, maybe that's just the, the rhythm of missing games through injury and just the, maybe playing under a bloody Joe Judge. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that. I really liked uh, what I saw from Kadarius Tony actually uh, at points when he was playing and, and at his closer to 100%. He looked twitchy, explosive. He had one game versus Dallas with 10 for 189 yards. But again, the question is, can he, can he stay injury-free? Uh, at this point, I wanted to bring up an article on injuries, actually. Um, Injury-prone is a lie, is called by Edwin Porras on fantasypoints.com. He's a doctor of physical therapy, and, and, and what he's basically saying is even the best scientists can't predict injuries with, with any kind of accuracy or any kind of confidence. Um, it, the article's through a fantasy lens. Uh, people are quick to judge a player, a brand of player injury prone without really knowing the science, without knowing a player's injury history or whether that injury history is likely to lead to more injuries than average. Um, so that, the point of the article, it, it can lead to to over-under values in, in fantasy, um, but also it can do it in the wider NFL world where people just brandish someone as, as injury prone and they can't... Um, and they can't come back from that, but it's really not true. A player they, the article looked at was Carson Wentz, um, obviously we, we spoke about earlier, and he, during that 2017 MVP time and, and a couple of seasons after that, he, he was really injured. I think a lot of people just regarded him as injury-prone, written off as injury-prone. But his three major injuries that, that he missed games were, were a wrist fracture, an ACL tear, and a, and a concussion that, those are unrelated. They one doesn't lead to the other. It's not a sign of things to come. It's just um, a part of football. It's a, a big, heavy, hard hitting game. Well, as you were just saying about Wentz, uh, it was it was a wrist injury he had, and then uh, ACL tear or something. Yeah. They're com- two completely different injuries. Like there should be no correlation there. It's just how the NFL works because of the physicality of the game. Yeah, look at the sport of football. Look at how intense and physical it is. Injuries are obviously going to happen and they happen to pretty much every player throughout their careers multiple times. So um, i say check out the article. It's basically recommending you fade narratives to your benefit in fantasy, but there's some really interesting medical scientific points that he makes. Uh, NFL, lots of injuries. Uh, it's fairly random. It, it's, yeah. uh, like I say, it's a very physical sport. It can just happen. I, I don't know. We've spoke about this article before, and, and yeah, we've used sure. it to, to fade and to to gobble up um, certain players in fantasy. Well, yeah, I mean Christian McCaffrey was mm. always the consensus first overall pick in pretty much any fantasy team. If if it wasn't first, it's certainly top five. And now he's even dropping to the end of the first round, or even into the second round. Which you know, okay, if McCaffrey is injured, it's obviously a big hit, but if he stays fit and is that player, then you've... Worth a risk. Yeah, yeah, it really is, Yeah, with the amount of points he racks up in fantasy, for sure. Because um, uh, another factor that they, they spoke about in the article as well is um, it's it's 
so tough. Uh, a rapid change in intensity uh, that coming in and out of the NFL creates is so tough on the body. Um, mm. It results in a much higher risk of sustaining soft tissue injuries. Like, And that's kind of what... McCaffrey didn't miss a lot of games over his first however many years over the season. And then COVID happens um, and whatever, and you get a bit injured in there and you have to ramp it up and ramp it up. You're doing nothing, you're doing rehab, and then all of a sudden you're playing in an NFL game or whatever, in NFL practice. It's a massive change in intensity, and the science shows that that, that is going to lead to more injuries, but not necessarily longer-term issues, just until they get into that rhythm again. Yeah. So that, that to bring it back to the Giants, they've, um, you know, they've, they've not necessarily got a load of injury-prone players on that offense. Um, you'd expect the the game's lost total that I mentioned earlier to, to fall closer to the average next year. And just through that, you're going to be better by having having your best players yeah. out there on the field. And it obviously it will help, you know, Saquon stays on the field. That's going to help Daniel Jones you know, significantly. And just bringing it back to the injury issues of Jones, and I suppose this is a positive thing as well, but he, he's someone who fights for every down. You know, he's pr- sort of flinging himself yeah, into yeah, like, yeah. perhaps when he, when he's making a run, he, he should slide, he, he shouldn't take the hit, but he's he just wants to fight for his team, which is a good thing, but also you've got to, he needs to be smarter. And with somebody like yeah. Dable, who he worked with jo- Josh Allen uh, to make the most out of his athleticism. Um, and I, I feel like that could help work well nicely with, with Daniel Jones and help hone his rushing ability so he can he's smarter and he can protect the ball himself. Yeah, and uh, Kadarius Tony, just uh, like I mentioned the soft tissue injuries there, um, Katerius Tony now he only played like half the season, and, and so many people just just bank on him as a as an injury prone player. Now you can see his value, his ADP and yeah, fantasy yeah. has gone right down. Uh, even though he looked really explosive when he did play, but like I say about the soft tissue injuries, he missed most of camp with a hamstring strain, which is tough. That's a bit where you go from no football and ramping it up. But he missed a lot of that with a hamstring strain, which everyone knows is very common in, in sports players, not just football players. Yeah. Um, so then he was stopped start the rest of the season with a quad strain, an ankle sprain, an abdominal sprain. There's his soft tissue injuries. There was issues with COVID as well. Yeah, so. yeah but that's not going to... There's no scientific reason to think that's going to repeat next year and over every year of his it career. Just, if he gets into a just rhythm, happens sometimes. It, it just happens, yeah. It's football. Uh, so don't worry about Tony, anybody. I think he's going to be absolutely fine. I think he will be a stud in this league as well. No, I don't think I guarantee. Yeah, you guarantee. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to, to summarise on Giants, I am guaranteeing... I don't think I'm guaranteeing, promising, assuring you, Ash, and anybody listening, uh, that the Giants will be better next year. They will be considerably better. Um, I, I, I didn't say the stats earlier, but they were like 30 or four lower in points per game, yards mm. per game. Surely they've got to improve. You like so to hope so, anyway. Be, it's hard to not improve, <laughs> especially when you've got like, so many injuries. But to talk about like the actual football a bit more, I, I also... I trust Dicker and Dable to, to just produce a more dynamic offence than, than Joe Judge. Uh, I actually think that's, that's one of the most interesting storylines of the NFL next year. This Giants offence has been bad for a long time. Can Dicker and Dable, they've, they've been um, two, co- two coaches who have played big roles in two rock and roll offences over the last five years or so. The Chiefs and the Bills, obviously, two of the best offences. In the league, really explosive, using their quarterback in many different ways. Obviously, Daniel Jones is not up to the standard of those two quarterbacks, but it's going to be interesting to see how that mm. offense develops, what they do differently with Daniel Jones. So, yeah, talking about Jones and uh, in relation to those other quarterbacks, 
But interestingly, and I know you can take this in a number of different ways, but Daniel Jones actually had a better pass completion percentage than Josh Allen and Carson wow. Wentz last season. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There so go. obviously, you know, maybe that's because he's playing shorter passes yeah, and yeah, things I like that. So, but... but still, I thought that was still a pretty crazy stat to put in. Definitely. There's a quarterback there for sure. He's shown it with, with the rushing, like you say. He's shown plenty of talent. He's just been in a, a really poor offense. And I think for those two coaches, it's now about um, it's now about finding out whether it, that was a product of how of Joe Judge and that offense, yeah. and the, the situations or whatever, or, or if he's just not up to the standards. Of playing in the NFL, and I'm not sure that he will be a long-term starter. That is not something I will be guaranteeing. Uh, but I, I really do believe that that this will be a, a fun offense next year after so many years of being boring. Uh, and Jones will um, Jones will lead them to the cusp of the playoffs. Oh yeah, I was, I was then going to ask: Will 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 he lead them to a plus five hundred team? Will he be or? 500 slightly under what, what are you thinking and um, so we are obviously concentrating on offense here but i will say unless the defense really lets them down daniel jones will lead them to a, a winning record next mm. year. but this is where i'm kind of lucky we've only got about 10 listeners now <laughs> in a year's time we only have a couple of people who remember that i've said this and also the fact that you've just banged on about injury proneness and how it's fake but for some reason, you you love to say that Carter's injury prone, which again was also refuted earlier when I told you that he's actually started the majority of the games he's yeah, played. Very true. Me, um, <laughs> Reese and I have got ourselves in a bit of a hole there. We kept yeah. saying he's injury prone, injury prone. And I said, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And I don't even believe that injury prone. Is <laughs> I'm just chatting shit to try and roll you up, basically. <laughs> uh, so, uh, bring it back to the Giants. Um, Everyone says it's a make or break year. I think you even said it yourself for Daniel Jones. But I, I think yeah. there's a good chance that um, this offense takes a good step forward, a considerable, tangible step forward. Um, and Daniel Jones is improved as well, and regarded in a higher, regarded higher. Um, and there's no guarantee that. So they he leads them to a an eight and nine record, a nine and eight record, um, and and maybe a just miss out on the playoffs or they get smashed in the wild card or something. And then they're, they're not going to be able to pick high in the draft. And there might not be a Russell Wilson available um, to trade for. There might not be uh, even the Carson Wentz available to trade for. That doesn't happen every year. So I think there's a, there's a good chance they signed him to a, a one-year prove-it deal. And it's, it's kind of the same situation mm. next year, whether he can make a further leap. Well, yeah, because they, uh, they declined the fifth-year option on Jones. Yeah. So, you know, this is the year really... Are they going to keep him or not? You know, but, that, but that's a bit like, what I'm saying is maybe they they kick the can down the road even further when we get to next year because they're still not 100 percent sure. He's shown the promise, but he's not shown himself deserving of a big starting quarterback contract. So you give him like a a one year sort of Jameis Winston one year two year contract where you're like, let's see it before we give you a yeah, long term yeah. extension. It's time for Over and Under. Over and Under. Another one. Mm. Daniel Jones related, of course. Injury related, but also how good he will be. Ash, how many over or under 17.5 career games for Daniel Jones? Career games yeah, left in the, the NFL. So obviously, he wow. might like fall to backup status. Yeah. And a few backup starts. He's not played he... 17 games in a season yet, so... I mean, that's an interesting question. It is interesting, but 
purely just because of the fact of how difficult it is to find QBs even half capable of playing yeah. the position. Yeah. I'm going over. That's a good point. I think that might be the first one we've agreed on mm. so far this episode. So um, that's a nice way to end it. For sure. For sure. Um, thanks for listening, guys. It's been a really enjoyable episode to do. The first episode that we've actually been able to do together in person. So hopefully you might have seen a bit of improvement in that regard. Uh, we'll be back with you very soon. There will not be another two, three-week hiatus, and we'll have a little Scottish boy with us as well. <laughs> so um, cheers for listening. There's four offences that absolutely will be better in 2022. We guarantee. We guarantee. Stick everything you got on all these teams. Just to... better. Yeah, <laughs> if there's a market out there. But also, <laughs> do not bring up this episode in <laughs> 10 months' time or whatever when, when the season's over and we've made ourselves look like fools. Only if we're right, you can bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> Alright then guys, see you later. Goodbye.